Welcome to Down the Rabbit Hole Enterprise Security News. All the news relevant to you and your business, squeezed into 20 minutes or less. And now, welcome your Monday morning information security quarterbacks, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafael Lopes. All right, folks, welcome down the rabbit hole. It is Monday, February 24th, 2014. Uh, James and I will be quarterbacking your uh, InfoSec news uh, for the last couple of weeks. We will try to squeeze this episode into about 20 minutes because I know RSA is on everybody's mind this week. And uh, if you're not out there, then you're probably reading the news about it. And uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. So, uh, James, good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, noticeably absent is Mr. Michael Santarcangelo, who... Uh, who went uh, missing on us this morning? Uh, we have sent a search party, and if uh, if he is found, we will bring him back. But yeah, a little missing in action going on. <laughs> missing in action. Hey, maybe there was a, a rogue go-to statement somewhere. Maybe there was. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe somebody had a uh, deep down logic flaw that just he he missed his scheduling appointment. Or there something. you go. Well, I, I guess the cat's out of the bag, or the apple's out of I don't know, decryption's out of the apple. Whatever. Um, so uh, let's start this week with the Apple encryption go-to fail issue, which now affects pretty much tons of Apple stuff that does encryption. Um, James, you're the developer here. Give us a rundown of what in the hell happened. Yeah, well, according to you know a blog that was written by somebody that actually went in and analyzed uh, the code, uh, you know, basically what happened was is that there was a logic flaw. You know, they they have logic statements going on with some if statements and rather than wrapping it in a code block, you know, they have it just two right in a row. So it always fails, even though it's a success, which allows it to bypass one of the checks that it's going to do. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it very difficult, you know, looking at the code and we'll have the link to the blog up here that shows it. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook this based on just looking at the code, you know, where just scanning it, Oh man, I completely missed that. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, but you know, unfortunate that it does affect so many things. I mean, I know I just updated both uh, an iPhone and an iPad this morning with the latest update. Yeah, Adam Langley's blog is actually uh, Imperial Violet is actually really, really helpful on this. Um, I can't help but uh, wonder. Um, it is 2014. Didn't go-to statements go out of style in like 1995? Well, you got to remember. I mean, what did they write this in? You know, I mean, that's I guess that's true, you know, brings a lot back that, you know, where, you know, this is in, you know, C, objective C, it just depends on language. But, yeah, I mean, you know, most modern day languages, you don't see a whole lot of go to's going on. Uh, you know, it's it's frowned upon, actually, in most, you know, if, especially dot net, you know, uh, you don't write go to's in dot net. <laughs> well, and so this brings up the other thing, right? There was a lot of discussion on why wasn't this caught? How could it have gotten caught? And of course, there's the inevitable, well, you know, static analysis, dynamic analysis, none of those things work. And it's like, well, yeah, but you got to think about like the way this looks, right? You're effectively talking about you know, dead code block, right? Dead code that should never run, right? It's excess, uh, what do you call it? Excessive, uh, uh, too much, you know, whatever. Uh, but there's code that shouldn't be there. Um, 
And you got to kind of wonder, you know, you're not going to catch this kind of thing with uh, static analysis. You're not going to catch it doing dynamic analysis of your code. I mean, unless you unless you specifically know what to look for, and your test suites get really, really complex. But it, the only way effectively, right? And and uh, Adam brings this up when he's as in his blog. And the only way to effectively find like this issue is basically peer review your code. And he talks about how he's lucky enough to be working with people that um, would have found this. But I mean, peer review, you know, but how many organizations are actually doing that? That's that's pretty far down the road of software security maturity, you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't think a lot of people are doing it. You know, most of the time when we see peer review, if we see it at all, you know, it's from a functionality standpoint. And again, looking at the code that he popped down here, you know, and displays on his blog, I could see, you know, people don't, a lot of times people don't take a lot of pride in the code review. It's, oh, well, I got to review this code. So I'll just look at it real quick and glancing over this, um, you know, while you do see two go-to fail statements right on top of each other, the assumption, if somebody did see this was probably that, well, it doesn't hurt anything. You know, because they're assuming it's in that same code block. So it called the first one. It would never reach the second one. So it's just extraneous code. It's it's no big deal. But in effect, because of the way it's laid out, it is a big deal. Right. And I, I just I just wonder, I posed this question to Adam on Twitter. And I haven't seen an answer back, but maybe I just missed it. Um, I went, It just kind of makes me wonder how much ex- of what you just said, that extraneous code is out there in various platforms, in various uh, code bases that is just waiting to be exploited by somebody who takes the time to to get it. Now, obviously, you got to have the source code to be able to find something like this. You're not going to find it by accident unless it's extremely, I don't know, coincidental maybe? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it would be tough to find. You know, these type of things too, they're, they're so one-off situations. You know, here you could look and say, oh, well, why don't we just write something that automatically goes and says, hey, if these two statements follow each other, we should look at these, you know, and a static analyzer could do that, right? Hey, is, is the statement above me the same as the statement I am? Well, let's flag that and have somebody look at it to see, are we doing something? But how many of those are going to be false positives, you know, to make it really worth the time, you know, and then you got to wonder, you know, the way that it's built, you know, I mean, I, I'm surprised we haven't seen any speculation that this was purposely done. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's blatant enough that, you know, as a developer, you didn't see that you did go to fail twice in a row. Well, so the the uh, the ultimate uh, what what's the ultimate shakeout from this? Like, what's the what's the bug? I mean, like, what's the vulnerability here? Well, the 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 problem is is that it's not properly verifying the certificate for when we do our SSL TLS connections, so that we can actually have a proper certificate chain signed by an incorrect signing authority right so i can say yes i'm facebook.com but i'm really not facebook.com and that's where we're getting the problem right right well huh. i, I kind of wonder whether compilers are simply not flagging um on this um you know he uh, he adam uh, points out that uh, if you compile with the enable all warnings dash wall in GCC 4.8.2, you don't even get a peep on, on the dead code. Um, what's weird is, I don't know, he makes a good point. Is it because there are so many false positives um, over real code bases, or is it because 
you know, somebody made that conscious decision not to have that in there. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be probably a whole lot more analysis in this. But the bottom line for you folks out there listening is basically everything Apple that does certificates needs to be updated. Uh, mail, FaceTime, Calendar, Safari, um, and software update. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Which, um, you know, makes you question, you know, okay, so everybody this morning just got a thing for software update. Right. I mean, my phone, as soon as I turned it on, said, hey, there's an update. Yeah. I'm hoping it was there. You know, I mean, I'm on my home network. I'm, of course, you trust I'm, your home network, right? Yeah. I I, 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 I turned off the malware I have on there today. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you know, but, you know, I mean, there's that concern, too, that, oh, wait a minute. If the update's affected, how do I know I'm getting the right update? Yeah. And, you know, so that could raise uh, some concern as well. Hey, uh, speaking of raising some concern, um, uh, yikes, Marilyn Terps. Uh, heads up, guys. Um, University of Maryland, 300,000 personal records of faculty, staff, and students, including social security numbers, going back to, get this, 1998. That's a long time. That is a long time. It says uh, Brian Voss uh, gave a statement. says the information includes names, social security numbers, dates of birth, university identification numbers for 309,079 people uh, with this, uh, affiliated with the school in its College Park and Shady Grove campuses. Um, <laughs> the hacker did not change anything within the university's computer system. <laughs> nice. But how, and how do we know that? That's that's always interesting to me. There's there's always two key things that always stick out. It's well, they didn't change anything in our system. I, okay, you haven't even done your full analysis, but okay, you know that somehow. And they always say it was a complex attack. I mean, I, granted, I wouldn't want to come out and say, you know what, we lost three hundred ten thousand records, and it was just a simple attack. But yeah. you know, they always say it's complex if they don't tell us how it's been done yet. But I would go ahead and. You know, based on experience, it probably wasn't that complex. You know, there's always these statements that, that are put out. You know, uh, Mr. Voss said that the uh, – here's an interesting one – that the hacker had a very significant understanding of how the school's data and are designed and protected. Um, is he trying to hint at maybe uh, an inside attacker? Um, you know, he – I don't know. Um, maybe he's saying, you know, a prior student that worked in the technology center or something. Yeah, I mean it's – it's tough to say what they're trying to allude to if they don't want to actually come out and really say it. Yeah, I, I keep uh, – I've read several uh, several places uh, where they're calling for his resignation um, because, uh, you know, the CIO, because there's – you know, they're, they're looking for accountability here, right? Uh, somebody's got to be held accountable for the horrible, horrible security. I don't know. is it Was it horrible? I that's the thing, right? Everybody says, you know, oh, this this horrible, horrible security. It's like, well, was it bad, or did somebody just get really lucky or really good and pop the database? Um, what could have more could have been done? I, I'm always hesitant to, to to skewer people until I know that they've actually been purposefully or cognizantly uh, lazy, um, or you know, admitted something they omitted something they should have should have done for the for the better, but. Uh, you know, it, it's an interesting issue, but I mean, come on, 309,000 people, uh, students, faculty, uh, otherwise staff, uh, names, social security numbers, that is going to be bad, bad news, bad news. Well, and, you know, you have to think, I mean, we often overlook it, you know, that universities are a target, you know, but they are. I mean, they, you know, look at the information you can get from there. Now, granted, it's only 310,000, you know, you compare that to – only. Target's breach of 40 million or 70 million for 
information. I mean, that's small in comparison, but yeah, but you got SSNs here. Think about it. These, a lot of these are students, right? People with uh, brand new credit histories. Well, they're not students anymore from 98. <laughs> you don't know some people I know. But, you know, there, there may be an idea that, hey, wait a minute, you know, these guys, you know, they're, they're educated, yeah. right? I mean, if I'm going to target people, obviously I want to target people that have degrees and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt that I can try to steal their ID from. <laughs> and uh, their debt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Pay off my debt, please. Hey, okay, um, maybe it's not the best thing. An issue near and dear to my heart. Um, there's a report that came out uh, on critical infrastructure um, that talks about – it's called the Industrial Control System Cyber Emergency Response Teams. Uh, it's a report uh, came out a couple days ago. Um, I think it's from ICS CERT. Um, and it talks about in, in, in basically that – a lot of the incidents that happen in the industrial control systems uh, world go largely undetected and unreported. And the reason why, drumroll please, nobody's logging stuff to know what's going on. Well, that seems to make sense. I mean, you know, when you think about industrial control systems and, you know, how they're really kind of more becoming the target as of recent, they're not, you know, they haven't been in that situation. We talk all the time about, you know, how we've got a, a new set of developers, a new set of groups that are coming in and now they're becoming internet connected and no longer do you have to be standing right at that device that they they weren't built doing that stuff. Yet, you know, yeah. oh, sure, we'll go ahead and plug an internet connection into it, but we won't change anything else. So, I mean, I can see not having that type of stuff. Unfortunately, it's one of those areas where we have to start changing that and, and start thinking about, hey, how, how are you doing logging? Yeah, how but- are we doing this stuff? So hold on. I get that, right? ICS, big deal. Um, I think this is just a – can we just use this as a general you know, canary in a coal mine wake-up call? Guys, you're sitting at your desk right now. You're sitting on the train or hopefully not in traffic. But um, let me ask you, how, the, our listeners out there, how many of the enterprise systems you have are – would you say are giving you enough information to detect – an attack and then respond to it meaningfully, right? Because uh, you guys have heard me drone on and on and on and give presentations on. In fact, I'll be doing one at RSA uh, on Wednesday on situational awareness and having uh, security intelligence and knowing when bad things are happening so you can detect, respond, resolve faster. But if you can't, if you don't have information, if you're not logging, all right, you, you, just you, I don't care. Oh, Pick something. Pick an open source tool. Just log things. Look for anomalies. You don't need to spend a quarter million, a million dollars on some giant data mart or – oh, data mart. That's an old term. Uh, I guess we call them uh, – <laughs> what do we call that this, uh, nowadays? Uh, big data. Yeah, we call it big data. Um, you, know, you don't need to spend billions and billions of dollars on this. <clears throat> you could, but you don't have to. Um, but please, for the love of God, please go log things. I know it's easier said than done, and I know it's uh, it's not exactly as you know as simple as that because you need data storage, you need bandwidth, you need people's permissions, and blah 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 blah. But at least log things that are relevant to security, and then work out from there. And on that note, I'll get off my soapbox. I'll talk for an hour, and you'll have to shut me up, James. It, you know, it does sound like that. That I, I get you got a soapbox there. But you know, it's funny how it funnels down. There, there's this pyramid that's built around detecting and, and watching this stuff. You know, you've got people that don't do anything, right? There's very little logging, no logging, whatever. Then you start working up, people start logging. 
but they're not looking. <laughs> right. Right. So they're they're logging all this stuff. I mean, how many places have you seen where we've seen breaches and they go in and say, oh, yeah, we've, you know, you've been breached for a year, but you just never looked at your logs to see it. The information was right in front of you. So it's, it's the red light has been blinking for nine yeah. months. What have you been doing? You know, so it's, it's getting people, one, to start logging, then two, to start looking at those logs so they can start detecting this stuff. And it is something that we have to start increasing. I, I thought it was interesting. They have a little section in this article that says targeted sectors. And it says common methods used to infiltrate critical infrastructure organizations include watering hole attacks, which we've talked about, spear phishing and SQL injection. Uh, you know, and- I, I've not heard of that. Is that new? <laughs> I mean, we are in 2014, and that is of the top three that's being used to infiltrate critical infrastructure. SQL I, injection. Somewhere Jeff Forrestal is laughing his ass off. Or <laughs> crying. I think crying is probably better. It's just, that's how concerning that is to see that. It, it is, it, it's concerning and or depressing, but... I think it starts with this NIST article, and I just want to, you know, it's it's a it's a I think it's just it's indicative of the fact that we are all caught up in shiny security toy mania, and uh, <laughs> we're going to RSA this week. I don't think that's going to change. Although I'll let you guys know if all of a sudden, you know, we, we things go uh, boring and bland and uh, aren't as uh, as glitzy and sh- booth baby as they've been the last couple of years. I don't anticipate that to happen, but. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of cyber war mongering and whatever the hell else there is out there. But a little bit of reality, folks. Log, log, log. And then just for fun, look at it sometimes. <laughs> look at it often. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like once a week. I mean, if, if, you, if you know that you got hacked this week as opposed to this year, big difference. How many people, though, really think looking at logs is fun? So it's hard to say just for fun, look at them. <laughs> Yeah, just for fun. Hey, um, a couple, two quick things. Let's let's on a, on a rush off with because, uh, like I said, we're going to keep this one short. But <clears throat> there's a uh, so WebSense, those wacky wacky people at WebSense uh, who have been quietly doing some pretty freaking amazing things, uh, has started analyzing uh, Windows crash reports and have noticed a new AP crash reports reveal new APT and POS attacks. Damn it! <laughs> so all we have to do is look at uh, Dr. Watson uh, reports and. Uh, and uh, you'll we'll notice if we've got uh, if we're being popped. Well, I got to imagine that you know just going in and look at your Watson reports aren't going to do it. I mean, they, you know, so it says they scoured some 16 million error report logs. Uh, you know, having enough of those to be able wait, to fingerprint wait, it. Wait, 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 hold the phone. Did you just? Did somebody just hear that? They looked at logs. <laughs> I rest my case, Your Honor. Drops microphone, walks off stage. <laughs> I'm it sorry, happens. I'll stop now. But it happens, you know. Uh, but you know, being able to look at these, uh, you know, can help. And, it, and I find it interesting if you start gathering these crash reports and being able to provide these fingerprints. Then how much does that help us to start determining? Hey, that computer is infected with some sort of attack, you know, or, or some virus. Yeah, I mean, if if, if this is, I think one of the things that I've learned uh, in the last couple of years. When it comes to the uh, increasing nature, increasingly complex and uh, uh, hard to detect nature of some of these complex attacks, is two things. One, they're going to get they're almost impossible to detect at any in any real uh, real time scenario. So let's give you know a lot of us just have given up on that, which is fine. Um, but 
because of and I'm gonna go back to and I I just blanked on his name. Um, uh, the guy that runs security over at Etsy, he had this uh, talk about trip yarns, right? And trip yarns, and he started looking at, hey, what are anomalies across my production critical systems? And when I can find those anomalies, I can look at it and go, hey, that thing over that out of a thousand servers, that one did something different today. Okay, now those three did something different. That's weird. At very least, you can say that's weird, right? And but. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get back right on that soapbox for just a second. It goes back to James. What's the What's the key here? Logging. There you go. All right. That's that's the theme for 2014. I just discovered it. It is logging. <laughs> going to log. For and we're not talking about. Log we're not. Yeah, we're not talking about running through the woods with chainsaws either. We're talking about. Oh, you know, logging data. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna end on one for you. Uh, for you folks at home, um, Brian Krebs as always has. Uh, has these uh, breaking awesome articles. This came out on on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Um, Dan Gooden broke this article on uh, the moon, uh, a worm called the moon. It's been hitting up Linksys routers and home detect home gear. The bottom line is um, lots and lots of folks decide that they're going to run enable remote access management and access for a lot of these home automation and like linksys routers and home firewalls and stuff like that um and when they have a of a, a vulnerability in them they become a worm and i james when's the last time you looked at you looked at your i, I will admit the last time i looked at my home uh home firewall was um um yeah, not since the twins were born. That's uh, early October. Holy crap! I wonder if it's still there. I was gonna say, my eh, probably about the same time. I don't log into my routers very often. Uh, you know, I the, and honestly, the only reason I logged into it was because I was trying to get access to something else on my system, and I was trying to find it. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, so you know, and that's the thing. We talk about you know all these devices that are being internet connected. And the fact that, you know, even these devices, our routers that we've had for so long, don't have some easy update mechanism, right? I mean, you still have to download a package, upload it to your router, redo the firmware. You know, I mean, it's not just a, oh, yeah, go ahead and update. Yep. So it, it's so difficult. And the fact that because it's one of those out of sight, out of mind devices. Yes, sir. As long as it works, I'm not messing with it. So until and, you see it on Fox or CNN or the or the evening news, you, even and even if you do, like, you know, my parents have you know their uh, wireless access point slash internet firewall at home. I don't know if it's a Linksys or not, but, um, you know, so it's out there, right? And they're gonna go, oh no, wait, so what? Like, yeah. So ha- maybe it catches their attention. Maybe my dad walks down their basement and and looks at the model number on it, and then he's gonna, <laughs> you know, what's gonna happen? Then he's gonna call me and go, what the hell do I do with this? exactly but that's the thing most people aren't going to understand what to do with it they're not going to how many people when they see that are going to go log into it with the default admin blank password uh yeah you know what i mean still right that's when you've got that problem still sitting out there the flaw within the system to bypass that screen all of a sudden doesn't seem to be that big (laughs) yeah no kidding right (laughs) and you know it always goes back especially in the home that well, I don't have anything an attacker would want, right? And that's, you know, we yes, see that all do. the time. Yes, shut up. Yes, you do. 
I I I agree with you that yes we do, but that's what you see people saying is that oh well we don't have anything that anybody really wants all and I unfortunately is, all I do is do my bank stuff online. I mean there's nothing. Yeah, I don't do anything serious on there. That's... They they had another article and I I don't have it up right now, but it was about the Wemo devices, and oh. it was the same type of thing where those are they've got some vulnerabilities in them. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, to kind of every, tack it onto that home hardware. Equipment. Yeah, uh, cable modems, home automation, wireless routers, everything that's got a everything that's got firmware in it w- probably has a vulnerability at some point. Hell, my printers probably have vulnerabilities that I haven't looked at. Um, who knows, right? And and yep. uh, they're probably vulnerable, and we never update them. So I, I don't have a good a good fix for that. But awareness, at least, it's out there. Go check your stuff, folks. And on that note, uh, James, you can be out at RSA this week. I am not going to be at RSA. I will be there briefly. I make an appearance on Tuesday, and I head back home early Friday. I'm getting back to the Twins before they destroy the house. Nice. All nice. right. Well, on that note, folks, uh, James, thanks for uh, riding along. It's been, a, Always happy been an to. interesting one. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting news, uh, news week. And uh, next week we come back uh, with a really, really interesting uh, interview. Uh, I think uh, you and I both sat through that one and went, yeah, we'll just let them talk. <laughs> my, my head's still spinning. I know. I just... <laughs> All right, folks, uh, thanks for listening. This is Raph for James, February 24th, 2014. It's uh, almost March, and where is the year gone? And remember, the theme for 2014 and probably beyond is, James? Logging. That's right, logging. Log all the things. And on that note, take care. See you later. Adios. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Down the Rabbit Hole Enterprise Security News. Give us feedback on our website at podcast.whiterabbit.net. That's W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T. Or on Twitter at White Rabbit, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T. Until next time, on behalf of co-hosts James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafael Los, thank you for listening.